0: Hi there, and welcome to the Body Storytelling Podcast. I'm sexual folklorist Dixie De La Tour, and this week we have a story from pseudo-theologian Father Ebenezer Johnson. Hi there, you beautiful human. How's your week going? I just got back from an incredible week at Sex Geek Summer Camp. I drove from San Francisco to Portland to teach brand storytelling for sex educators, and I slept in bunk beds, and it was cold, and it was raining, and it was the largest attendance they'd ever had, and it was fucking great. On the way up, I will admit that this was a test drive on whether or not Edna the minivan was capable of maybe possibly sustaining a tour, because I'm not excited about planes anymore, and I have this great minivan named after my mother. And if she gave me this thing inadvertently, then I should put it to use. And as I drove up, it was so comfortable. Oh my God, Edna the minivan is the best vehicle. I thought about whether I was ready to share that with the world. Am I ready to tell other human beings that I'm gonna try and do something that I might not be capable of? What if I fail? But I looked into those welcoming, open faces who really wanted to hear about my life. And before I knew it, I was confessing. And I got so many offers of, oh my God, bring it here. I have a guest room. I would so rally people in my town to come see Body. And it was exactly what I needed. It made me feel braver. It made me feel less like an imposter. And I feel like it might be possible now. I'm still scared, I'm scared to admit it to you, because what if I fail? Everybody knows, or at least everybody who listens to this podcast knows, but you have to be brave, right? That's pretty much what we do here. Do something scary and love to tell about it, especially the telling part. So I had a great time, the drive back was so wonderful, they say it takes 11 hours, they lie. It took 14. And of course, I lost my house keys when I pulled up in front of my house and had kept going, Oh my god, oh my god, I have to go to the bathroom so bad. Nope, I'm almost home. And then I got home and parked in front of the house and tried to go into the house and realized I'd lost my house keys somewhere in the van, where everything had exploded took me an hour. I cannot believe I did not pee on the sidewalk in front of my house. Eventually, I found the keys and got into the house. And the closer you get to the toilet, the more your body is like, "Now, now." And I had to like scream at my bladder just keep hanging on, just keep hanging on. But I made it and then slept so hard and was so happy. So happy to be back in my bed, so happy to be around all those humans. And I felt a little bit more optimistic about my life. Speaking of imposter syndrome, I got contacted by an app. This app features people like Brené Brown and Anthony Robbins and Simon Sinek and all of these thought leaders. And they said they wanted to feature me. I'm a thought leader? Really? I kept going, maybe maybe they met some other Dixie Della Tour. Like, why would they contact me? But I went ahead and booked an appointment. They were based in Europe. So somehow the interview hours were only available between 1 and 4 a.m. <laughs> they were in London. And uh, and I kept poking around. And eventually, a day or two later, they added an interview that was at 7 a.m. And I'm like, well, that's a little bit more doable. So... I set my alarm (laughs) and I set it for like 5 a.m. Because I was going to be on Zoom and I had to look good and I had to get my thoughts together and I really needed coffee before I talked. And I thought that would be something I could manage. But the fireworks have been insane in my neighborhood. They've been going off while I'm recording this podcast. I had to pause, start over. They've been going on for weeks, but this week... Oh, my God. And so the fireworks were still going off till 3 a.m., which meant I didn't really sleep. And then the alarm went off at 5 a.m. And I got up for the interview and I sat there and I logged in and I was nervous because imposter syndrome. And then 10 minutes later, I got kicked off the call and it said, sorry, another interview ran long. We're going to have to reschedule. So I'm going to have to do that again sometime soon. But it feels good, you know. Sometimes when you take a pause and you take care of yourself, I constantly was on the go with body. I was constantly coaching people over and over again to get their stories ready for the stage, handling their nerves, doing all the event production, all of those things by myself. I was so completely burnt out. And... When things fell apart, I decided I had to take care of myself, and now it feels like things are starting, are starting to let me know I'm wanted, and that feels really good. So maybe I'm a thought leader? I don't know. But it sure feels good to have somebody think so, you know? This week's story is a little different, so let me tell you about our storyteller. Father Ebenezer Johnson was born and raised in Sodom, Alabama and is a professor for the Department of Religious Sexual Development and Implementation at St. Christopher's College in Gomorrah, Utah. He has an advanced degree in theological sexual positions. His book, Did Mary Have a Spiritual Orgasm Birthing Jesus?, is a bestseller, and he has been on the cover of Undressed Priests three times now. This storyteller is Father Ebenezer Johnson.
2: The story I'm about to tell you deserves absolutely no applause whatsoever. <laughs> my name is Father Johnson. When our college's young co-eds stray off the righteous path, it is my job to correct their transgressions by whatever means I deem necessary. One co-ed Amy was a particularly egregious case. Petite short blonde hair, generously curved, with a small, round, pretty face, and a sly smile that was enticing, but icy. She took it upon herself to seduce the college's young gardener into the women's locker room. Poor Sister Gertrude walked into them, unbeknownst, and nearly had a heart attack, witnessing their aggressive, clumsy form of fornication. Clumsy. St. Christopher's College is an institution of higher learning. Base instincts must be understood, refined, on a road toward mastery. Amy was undisciplined, over eager, and this needed to be addressed. She entered my dimly lit, wood-paneled study, knowing the stakes. She would be expelled, and her family told of her digression if the matter was not resolved to my satisfaction. I sat on my large wooden armless chair. She approached and lay prone across my lap. She hiked up her skirt, slid down her panties to reveal her large, round, perfectly shaped buttocks. God's perfection. (laughs) Sexual Discipline is a virtue so you're going to have to wait to hear what happened next So what was that? that, my body friends, was the beginning of a scene between me and my dear friend Amy to fulfill a long-standing fantasy of hers. But to prepare you for the rest of the scene, I need to give you some context, including how I ended up in the scene as Father Johnson. So our story starts back in 2007. So back then, I was single. uh, And when I was in relationships, they were always monogamous. Uh, I had never been in a threesome, done anything remotely kinky. It was a very vanilla sex life. And at that time, I wasn't looking for a long-term relationship and had a very unfulfilled libido. And back in 2007, if you wanted something casual, One option was to go on Craigslist Casual Encounters. And if you typed in F looking for M, all these postings appeared of females looking for males for various forms of casual sex. And if you went through them with a critical eye, you realized most of them were fake. And you say, okay, it's probably people looking for dick pics, you know, fine. And, and after a while, I, I was really getting frustrated looking through these, like, is there anybody real here? And if there is, do I really want to meet them? Uh, so, but then, this one posting just completely caught my attention. It was so uniquely written, I knew it wasn't fake. Whoever was writing it, clearly English was not their first language. Uh, There were lots of misplaced articles, lots of typos, but whoever was writing it was clearly very, very intelligent. And they were describing themselves as a married woman in the suburbs in an open relationship who is looking for a new fuck buddy. So I thought, okay. And I wrote and I got a response we started chatting on Yahoo Messenger. (laughs) And so we decided to meet at this old Russian cafe on Balboa Street called Cinderella. Now, Cinderella is a lovely place now, but back in 2007, under the original ownership, it was still in this old Cold War Soviet decor and very, very dark. But in walked this Russian woman with red hair and this beautiful, youthful, elfin face and these big, green, mesmerizing eyes named Gulia. The sex was amazing. She was amazing. And after a few times together, I realized I'm having feelings for this person I've never had before, and then it just hit me. I'm in love for the first time. So, naturally, I told her, and I did not get the reaction I was expecting. (laughs) She got really upset and started crying. So, after she calmed down, she explained to me, you know, I've had a couple lovers over the years who've fallen in love with me, and they wanted with me what I already have, a family. And I couldn't give them that, so they left me. And I'm afraid the same thing's going to happen with you. You're going to leave me too. I told her, I just want to have any type of relationship with you. I mean, I won't to anything. I, I just want to be with you. And she said, well, okay, you know, if, if that's the case, you're going to have to meet my family, including my husband. My vanilla brain went, do I? Really? And then I thought about it and thought, yeah, okay, I, I, I probably do. He's a nice guy. I met their two sons and really bonded with their youngest, and we made it work. Once a week, Ghoulia would drive about an hour and a half through rush hour traffic to spend the night with me, and we did that for seven years. And and during that time, we fell deeply in love. Uh, Her and her husband ended up separating, and we knew right away we were going to get married and we would be life partners. So it now meant I was in an open relationship, and so I met um, Gulia's longtime friend and lover Amy, who is uh, petite, with short blonde hair, generously curved, with a pretty round face and a sly, sexy smile that's icing. So um, Amy and I became good friends and we became lovers. Now, Gulia and Amy have known each other forever, and it was very common for them to meet for lunch, and a very frequent topic of conversation was Amy's long-standing desire to fuck a priest. <laughs> now, Amy is one of the nicest people I have ever met, and when I was preparing the story, I asked her, so where, where did this come from? And she said, you know, I think my desire to fuck a priest came from an incident, uh, more of an event, Uh, when I was eight years old. So, my babysitter left for the night, and she left behind two books. And I read them. One was The Thorn Birds. (laughs) If you don't know that story, it revolves around a very young, very handsome priest named Ralph, who befriends a young girl and her family in a time of need. And many years later, she develops into a young woman. They fall in love and have a child together. The other book was The Exorcist. (laughs) Priests fighting the Antichrist. And so over the years, these two stories morphed into Amy's brain of handsome priests fighting the Antichrist and she's like, yeah, I definitely wanna fuck one of those guys. So this lunch Gulia said, "Well, what are you doing to make this fantasy happen? Are you like hanging out in front of churches after a service? You're like flirting with cute priests?" And Amy was like, "No, no, no. I was just hoping it would happen one day. Organically." Gulia is so not an organically person. She she makes things happen. So she came to me and she goes, you know, Amy's birthday is coming up pretty soon and I have an idea for a present. (laughs) And she needs this present. She needs it bad. I need you to dress like a priest and fuck her. I was like, okay, sweetie, how are we going to make this happen? (laughs) She said, I I got it covered. So I've already created a letter on church letterhead telling Amy that she was caught in the locker room of her college doing unspeakable things, and she needs to meet with the the, uh, head of the school, or she will be expelled, and that head of the school is a priest, you, at his chambers, your apartment. (laughs) So, um, yeah, so I, I realized, okay, I, I, I have some work to do. So I was like, okay, we're doing this. So I started to get the apartment ready. Uh, I bought lots of candles, uh, a CD of Gregorian chants to play in the background, and dimmed the lights really, really low, you know, thinking, I want this to look like an old wood study. And I did my character work. I was thinking, okay, so if I'm understanding the narrative here... Father Johnson um, is a faculty member uh, who hears about young co-eds who are caught fucking badly, and he believes God has put him on a mission to find those co-eds and teach them how to fuck really, really well. I'm like, okay, so this is a serious guy. Now, what I was really anxious about was getting this right. You know, my friend had wanted this experience her entire adult life to be with a priest, so I better get it right. And I was only going to get one chance to do it. So you ready to see how the rest of the scene played out? I sat on my large armless wooden chair. She approached and sat prone across my lap. She hiked up her skirt, slid down her panties to reveal her large, round, perfectly shaped buttocks. God's perfection. Then, I believe spankings are the lubricant of needed lessons. She was ready. I stood with her on all fours. She moved her behind toward my substantial manhood. As I entered her, she wanted all of it immediately, but no, I grabbed her hips tight and entered her slowly, incrementally, giving her God's gift inch by inch by inch until her bottom came to rest against my frock. My movements inside her were slow, deliberate, with purpose. She was excited and wanted a release, but no, 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 she was not fucking some gardener. She was fucking a vessel of God. My thrust became more substantial, deeper. Her womanhood was now fully engorged, snugly fitting around my phallus. As my thrust kindled into faster, harder, my frock began to slap against her rounded perfection, and that perfection was becoming thread from the force of my pounding. She had learned well and was ready to be delivered. Her screams built into a primal stream of climax, and I delivered my lesson. And scene. more. (laughs) There were other scenes that played out that evening between Father Johnson and Amy. Amy confided to Father Johnson that she had another very serious transgression in the woman's locker room with a young co-ed named Katya. Fingers were used, a dildo, and a strap-on. Sister Gertrude did not survive that one. (laughs) And Amy's very fulfilling evening ended with her learning how to give God's blowjob. <laughs> to my relief, Amy loved all of it. <laughs> so, so, as we broke character and lay down on the bed and were snuggling together and kind of giggling about the evening, at one point she turned to me and said, You know, when you were fucking me from behind, and that frock started to slap against my ass. That felt so wrong. And so right. Mm. So, you know, as I was preparing to tell this story, I was actually kind of reflecting on my journey uh, that brought me tonight on the stage dressed like this. <laughs> and, you know, uh, I, I, at one point I posed a question to myself. I thought, What if a trusted friend of the present time traveled back in time to 2007 when I was looking at all those Craigslist casual encounter ads, and what if it was at the time when I was getting really frustrated, like, is this worth it? And what if they approached me and said, please, please keep looking. I know this is discouraging, I know it's frustrating. Yes, most of these postings are fake. In fact, this page will eventually be shut down for concerns about sex trafficking. (laughs) But hear me out. (laughs) Looking through these sketchy postings, it's the smartest thing you will ever do in your entire life. Because in here, somewhere, is your future wife. And if you find her, one day, many years from now, you'll be on a stage in front of her and hundreds of people telling the story of how she encouraged you to fuck her best friend dressed as a wayward priest. So, Ghoulia came over to my place to debrief about the very successful Evening with Amy. And, you know, I noticed as I was starting to relay all the details of what happened that night that my sweetie right there was starting to get turned on. (laughs) With the mention of each slap of an ass or a frock banging against a perfectly rounded ass. And then she got up, and she looked at me with those big, green eyes, and she said, I think I've made a terrible mistake. I have a confession. (laughs) My name is Katya, and I've been very, very bad. Sister Gertrude caught me and Amy in the women's locker room doing unspeakable things with our fingers, a dildo, and a strap-on. She made me do it. Please don't tell my parents. I don't want to be expelled. I'll do anything. 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 And what happened next is there is absolutely no applause whatsoever. Good night, my fellow sinners, and thank you.
1: Love in a tree. God didn't think they deserved it. He taught them. He taught them pride. Gave them a leaf. Made them hide. Let's push their stories aside. You know the origin is you. we show the origin of love.
0: Song was The Origin of Love by Mika. I really needed to step away from Body to do some self care after all the death in my life over the past year. And since I'm self employed, that wasn't possible without some sort of income while I grieved. Well, I'm still grieving, but things are starting to look up. And that's due to the people who've supported me and Body through one time donations and especially on Patreon. I've been feeling the fire return lately. I am pissed about the one-year anniversary of the Dobbs decision, the overturning of Roe v. Wade, the onslaught of social media sites like Instagram shutting down accounts that feature anything even remotely sex-positive, and last week's Supreme Court decision banning affirmative action. It's infuriating. And it makes me think that the sex education and empathy that body provides is even more essential than it was a few years ago. This shows my life's work, and I am not giving up. I want these stories to be heard, not hidden, because you know they don't want you to live a shame-free, pleasure-based life. But I really do. I believe that every story you hear, especially the intimate ones, help us understand and connect to one another and make us feel less wrong and less alone. So I'm asking for your assistance. Every dollar you send our way is greatly appreciated. Right now, make a one-time donation to Body Storytelling on Venmo, Cash App, Buy Me a Coffee, or PayPal. There's a link in the show notes. And of course, the best way to support Body is ongoing support through Patreon. That's at p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash body. This week, I'd like to say thank you. To Nathan, Luna, Mark and Megan, Brian, Justin, and Dave for joining or increasing their patronage for Body's Patreon. Your financial support for this podcast and live show is the only reason I'm still here. And to those who've been listening who have yet to pitch in, join us however you can. There's a lot of work to be done. And thank you for your ongoing support. I can sense you're about to leave me. Before you go, can I ask you to subscribe, rate, and especially write a written review for this podcast? You listened all the way to the end, so you probably liked it. And it means so much to other people when they can read your words and know that this is worth their time. Thanks in advance for that. And I'd also like to say thank you to the people who make this podcast possible. Thank you to David Grossoff, Mosa Maxwell Smith, Royland James, Donald Mooney, and podcast producer Roman Den Haudiker. I'm sexual folklorist Dixie De La Tour. This has been episode 272 of the Body Storytelling Podcast. See you soon, and thanks for listening.